2: We will not bow down to our racism We will not bow down to injustice We will not bow down to to exploitation I'm gonna stay Thank you
0: New. Hello, hello, hello. This is Faith McKinney with Beyond Talk with Faith McKinney, and we are back with a new season and a new co-host. Now we're Beyond Talk with Faith McKinney and Jason Moore, our brand-new co-host. So we're hitting the ground doing with special guest Deidre Ramsey McIntyre, founding admin of Facebook group Black People, and Cryptocurrency, and we'll talk about her in just a moment. I want to thank our producer, Jacqueline Taylor Adams, for that wonderful intro, Freedom from the Panther the Movie soundtrack. I'm so excited to be here. Everybody, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for all of your your encouragement, everything that we're getting from you. We want to make sure we give back. Uh, The tech community, the black tech community, we want to make sure we serve and inform everyone about what's really going on in black technology. Do I have Jason Moore on the line?
4: Yes, I'm here.
0: Hey, Jason, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited that you are now the co-host of Beyond Talk. What's going on?
4: Oh, it's great to be here. I'm uh, just holding down the fort, as they say, uh, busy doing different things, and, uh, you know, just, you know, keep pressing forward, basically.
0: All right. Well, this is, you know, part of you and uh, Jacqueline Taylor Adams, your, your brain tile, this Beyond Talk, this is a fabulous platform for um, everyone, Black America, to understand uh, what's going on in, in black with Blacks in Technology? So I I want to thank you personally for allowing me to be a part of this amazing um, organization. And I know that so many people are being helped by, by your work. So thank you so much. We are so thrilled to have you uh, as our new co-host. And today uh, Tuesday is our uh, the only day we'll be on for on Tuesday. Starting next month, starting in November, will be on the second Wednesday of every month. So this is just a, a anomaly here, but starting November, will be on at, I believe it's eight o'clock on uh, the second Wednesday of every month. So look out for Beyond Talk, Kenny and Jason Moore. Now, how about that, Jason?
4: Excellent. I am very excited and looking forward to
0: it. Yeah, me too. All right, so I want to get our um, our guest on. We have an, a, a fantastic guest, Deidre Ramsey-McIntyre. As I mentioned earlier, she's the founding admin of the Facebook group Black People and Cryptocurrency. After being a featured speaker at the 2018 Black Blockchain Summit in Washington, D.C., Deidre uh, is giving us an international clarion call to invest in ourselves, invest brain power, time, and resources in the black blockchain. So today you're going to tune in to learn and stay tuned to learn how uh, and discover the power of the black blockchain. And there's more about Deidre. launched. Black People and Cryptocurrency in September of 2017 as a place for members to exchange knowledge, participate in live stream events, and network. For more than 25 years, she has merged communications and technology skills to produce, publish, and teach with digital media realm. Deidre has also served as a production manager for theglobe.com a once popular New York City-based social media platform in the late 1990s and early 2000s. She's editor for various New York publications and public school teacher to Brooklyn high school students. McIntyre also maintains a Quora presence focused on Afrocentric, African-centric uh, responses to Kemet, which is ancient Egypt queries, and is an admin moderator of several African and Kemet Kush Facebook groups and pages. She owns her own digital media publishing company, Red Ivis, and also works for her brother's New York, New Jersey-based water filtration business, Aqua Right. Connects with Deidre at uh, WWW on Facebook with uh, Black People Cryptocurrency. That's Facebook's Black People Cryptocurrency. All right, we are called to do with Faith McKinney. I'm a personal brand and media strategist along with author Jason Moore, who's the founder of Black Economic and Entrepreneurship Development Conference and Expo. And we're going to, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we're airing live every second Wednesday as the official audio podcast of the BEEDC. And with that, I want to welcome our guest. Miss Deidre Ramsey McIntyre, how are you tonight? Good evening. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Jason uh, and I, tonight on uh, Beyond Talk. Thank you. Uh, uh,
3: no, I, I can I, hear you loud and clear.
0: Awesome.
2: Thank Wonderful.
1: you, Faith and Jason. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Now, Uh, Deidre now Jason feel free to jump in at any time Deidre you have you are such a wealth of information and I want to make sure that our audience gets as much information from you as they can Um, please give us a little bit I know I read your bio a little bit earlier Uh, if there's anything that I missed please feel free to fill it in but I want to um, get your input as far as why the blockchain is so important in the African-American community. And, uh, you know, let's, let's start off with that. Well, I, I think you pretty much covered everything in a nutshell,
1: uh, other than the fact that I'm a Native New Yorker who now lives in New Jersey. Uh, my original uh, vocation was uh, as a print journalist. I have a, a bachelor's degree in print journalism from West Virginia University. And then later on, I would go on and get my master's in education uh, in around 2006, and I taught in New York City for about four years. Um, so the, the merger of my skills has been a kind of a combination from traditional media into digital media, considering that I worked at a dot-com for a period of time. And then it's because of that that I kind of, by way of a client request, I discovered uh, both Bitcoin the blockchain, and cryptocurrencies in general. And I think and there's a, a tremendous amount of confusion of what's going on. I think most people are familiar with the term Bitcoin. They're also familiar with perhaps a lot of negative uh, media attention towards that. If, they, if you, if you were probably to throw out the term Bitcoin to people who are not uh, knowledgeable about the sector, some of the things that come to mind would probably be hacking, uh, losing lots of money, Uh, Ponzi schemes, all sorts of negative things, because unfortunately that's what the bleed it leads coverage has been of um, the sector. But in terms of what people should know about blockchain, um, they need to understand that this is a a, basically it's a different type of internet. And this analogy isn't mine. This analogy actually came from the um, Black Blockchain Summit that was in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. Uh, a few weeks ago in September, uh, produced by Sinclair Skinner, Bitmari, and his co-founder Chris, as well as um, several others from the Kenyan um, uh, Blockchain Association. And it was an international conference with attendees from Kenya, from Botswana, from Nigeria, from Uganda, from the United States, from Trinidad and Tobago, from Haiti, and um, all of us at, at on Howard's campus. And one of the uh, keynote address speakers was uh, 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 the block, uh, Blockchain Association chairman out of Uganda. His first name is Kwame. And Kwame had basically said, put a charge to all, those of us in the audience to kind of explain blockchain and cryptocurrency in a very simple fashion by comparing it to the internet. Um, so if you understand that the internet is, a network of computers that shares data. So, by data, what do we mean? We need text, we need images, we need video, we need audio, such as what we're doing now. And all this data that exchanges back and forth, you could have multiple copies of it. So, if I were to, to email Jason, you know, uh, a, a photograph of my logo or something like that, I don't lose that logo. In fact, I can send it to Faith. I can send it to Jason. I can send it to 100 different people, and I still retain my logo. Now, that's how the, the World Wide Web and Internet and all the email, all the components of the Internet were set up, transfer of data that you can have multiple copies of and make multiple copies of. Well, that doesn't work in the finance sector. You don't want somebody to say, you know, hey, Jason, I got like $1 in my account, but I'll send it to you. And then on the side of sin, faith, I'm going to send you a dollar. And I'm going to send 100 people a on dollar, but I don't really have $100. I just have $1, but I made a bunch of copies of it, so it's okay. That doesn't work in the finance sector. So the finance sector needed to create its own internet. And that's essentially what blockchain is. It's internet of value. And being that it's an internet of value, it has to be a, a transmission vehicle of a network of computers that can send – it can verify that something, someone has – in possession, some item, some token, some coin, some bit of data. And then once they send it, they don't have it anymore. Or if they sent a percent of it, a portion of it, then if they sent 50% of that data, then they only have 50% of it. Because that's how money works. If I have a dollar and I give a dollar away, I don't have a dollar anymore. So the the bare basics of uh, blockchain And why it's so significant, it was able to create something in which you can transfer value. It could verify whether someone has no value, uh, lots of value, um, and that they have actually intended to send that value to someone else and they no longer have that. So the implications for blockchain is that not only can it be used for sending a digital currency without the need of a bank, or PayPal, or any other Western Union, or any other intermediary, because that's what you have when you have uh, online banking, and that's what gets people get confused. The reason why you have PayPal that sits as an intermediary is because PayPal has to verify that you didn't copy um, the data that you're sending. They're verifying that you actually sent it over the internet, and they're verifying that it no longer exists in your account and exists in someone else's account. Same thing with an online bank, same thing if you're doing Something with uh, one of the man, money, other money wire transfers. However, with blockchain, it removes the need for the intermediary, intermediary because the computerized system itself actually verifies it. So it removes the middle person that's involved with that. And so people, two people can transact whatever the agreed upon value is, and you don't need the verifier. The network itself, the network of computers themselves, are the are the verifiers. And are the compo- uh, the processing power that actually sends the data, so the implications of what blockchain can, blockchain can be used for is not just in sending monetary value but also in voting in fact um, the nation of Sierra Leone became the first country in the world in March to use a blockchain for election purposes um, it was uh, the, the company wasn't necessarily an, an african um uh, blockchain developer, but uh, you know, a company that came in and fairly uh, was willing to be its case study for that, and they had about seventy percent of their voting, um, their bo- voting components done by. And what that means is no more waiting for results; it's immediate. As soon as the thing is cast, you can see, oh, this is how many votes there are. There are no humans that need to be tallying or, or determining if there was a hanging chad or. Any, or the polls were closed or, or whatever, it's all done by computers. So the case study has already been done. It's already been done in an African nation, so we can expect to see a lot more of that um, type of thing, in addition to the actual people creating different types of digital currencies to make transactions uh, a lot faster. That is Excellent.
0: fascinating. Go ahead,
4: David. Excellent, Excellent, Deidre, and thank you for that that intro. I have a quick question. Um, What is it about blockchain that is often most misunderstood?
1: I think one of the things that's misunderstood is that somehow or another uh, cryptocurrency is not an important component or that cryptocurrency is somehow separate. From blockchain, um, when the Bitcoin white paper was written, and Bitcoin was is, is the first blockchain cryptocurrency, when it was written was pretty much, the, not the, necessarily the first time a blockchain was mentioned because it, it did exist previously. Um, there's a British company that had a project management system that uses used a blockchain. I'm not sure if they called it that, but essentially it was the same functionality. So and it the block- was used
4: and the blockchain is just the ledger when you say blockchain is that correct
1: well blockchain is actually the process of the the computers actually sending the data um, in a kind of a chain link fashion and, and so it, it it's part a component of it is the ledger a bunch of computers that keep uh basically keep the record keeping of who what what address sent what to whom um, but there's also other options aspects of it with other computers that are actually managing and fighting for to do the transaction. So it's kind of a network system. Uh, But, you know, a lot of times people are trying to boohoo the development of the actual currencies that are being created. And they're trying to say that, Oh, well the blockchain is important. The blockchain is important, but Bitcoin is bad. And you really can't do that. It's kind of like, you know, separating blood and bones. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. What, what created this whole cryptographic currency had everything to do with blockchain being defined within that white paper on how it functions. So any of the cryptocurrencies that came after it, they either uh, improved upon the functionality of the blockchain or they created something analogous to the blockchain. But it was the blockchain that pretty much said, hey, you can send something of value uh, across with all computer management and you don't have to, and, and you don't have to worry about um, the necessity of human involvement in those types of transfers.
0: Excellent. I think one of, one of the things that uh, fascinated me was the use of, um, well, the, the creation of, uh, we were talking about currency, you know, how do people create currency from um, essentially nothing when, when, you know, how do you, how do you get currency through
1: the blockchain uh, are you talking about uh, actually having a cryptocurrency such so as Bitcoin or Litecoin or ether or mm-hmm. or you're talking about how does it create how is the cryptocurrency itself valuable
0: well a little bit of both how how is it valuable and then how does one go about creating it so you know outside of, of the crypto outside of the blockchain, you know, you work, you earn money. But during, I mean, with the blockchain, how do you actually get that currency? Okay, so let's tackle the, the one issue
1: first. If you were inquiring about how to uh, obtain Bitcoin, we'll use Bitcoin as an example since it's the most popular one, but people should note there is at least nearly 2,000, if not more than 2,000 types of cryptocurrency. Most of them are um, not necessarily valuable. Uh, uh, they're not valuable because people aren't using them. That's the only reason they're really not valuable. But um, so we'll, we'll use Bitcoin as an example, although we could have used Dash, Litecoin, Monero, anything. Um, if, if I were a person that was interested in um, being a part, adding my computer to the network, Um, that makes uh, blockchain work for Bitcoin. Um, There are always a certain type of computer I can add that because of my computer processing power in the network, I earn uh, Bitcoin for the work that the computer is doing. Um, Those uh, machines are generally called mining machines. They're the ones that handle any transactions that are going on in the network. Do they always get... Cryptocurrency, no, because they don't always handle all the transactions. So, but when they do tr- finally get a handle, handle of a transaction, because they're competing with other computers in the system, uh, a part of the payment is part of the transaction fees that one um, has to pay when they're transferring money from one one person to another or from one wallet to another. So that is one way of getting "quote unquote" free. Bitcoin. It's not really free Bitcoin because you're letting your electricity and your computer to the network. But that's the original way that a lot of people uh, how they built the network in in the first place. People, the white paper without and they explained the necessity of all the different computers and their functions. There will be one level computers that actually are added based on a kind of like honor system. They're the the record keepers uh, the, 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 the nodes that actually store the ledger um, they don't necessarily get paid. And then the other component was the ones that were actually doing all the work and verifying and securing and ordering all the transactions. Those were the mining machines. And the, part of their payment is when they did score a transaction was that they would get the transaction fee. So that's one way. Um, and because though that was the original way in which a lot of the cryptocurrency was dispersed and in the early days, um, because no one was in it, they were getting a lot of it. Um, the the people that held the blo- the bulk of the Bitcoin eventually wanted to sell as the, the value of it rose because the more people who use the network and have a demand, just like you have a demand for anything, you have a demand for hot sneakers and hot jeans and hot T-shirts, and, you know, those things have value because of the demand. And cryptocurrency is no different. Um, then they started setting up marketplaces, which in America we call exchanges, in which sellers could say, hey, um, I'm offering this this amount of uh, Bitcoin at this price. Um, and, of course, the price would go up, go up, go up as the demand people were willing to pay for it. So most people, most common people today, they, their entry point is not necessarily putting their computer to work for the system in terms of mining. It's the simple route. It's going to exchanges such as Coinbase and uh, Bitfinex and, and uh Genesis and there's a, there's a number of them uh, that people can go to and actually um, verifying their identity through uh, Know Your Customer laws. So it may take a while; it's not instantaneous. It may take a while to get verified, but you got to provide everything except for a blood sample. Um, and then mm-hmm. once you're verified, you can use your credit card to buy from one of those original miners or you know early buyers of, of Bitcoin who are willing to sell. And you place, you put in your order for the coin, and you wait and see if you know if it's accepted. And then you have some of your, your the currency yourself. And then if you're wise about how you now, because now you're a banker, you have to manage your own um, in your own purchases. Uh, once you have made the purchase on the marketplace or the exchange, you should transfer it off to your own personal wallet. And your own personal wallet is basically just some software that you can get. And you can either choose to uh, keep some uh, as software on your mobile phone or on a, a web-based um, wallet or uh, as a download of an, a, an application wallet or even on a jump drive or even use the two keys that compose your wallet and print it out on a hard copy of paper and put it in a safe. So there's a whole bunch of different types of wallets that you can use to store and save your personal uh, funds that you have acquired by however you acquired it, whether a friend sent it to you, you went to a marketplace last exchange and bought it, or you're a machine that was a miner and you quote unquote earned it. But once you have it, you have a multiple way in different ways that you can decide in which you're going to store it, the best way you can store it. And so you're willing to do something with it, either sell it yourself or to use it to buy something.
4: Do, yo, did you have a question? Mm-hmm. Oh. Go ahead. Now, with the mining, is the is, can you tell us a little bit more about what the ha- current hash rate, how that figures into what you would get if you tried to run it under like a regular machine versus like an ASIC-type machine?
1: Yeah, I, I really have no idea because I have never mined in my life. But what I can tell you is that one of the controversies of uh, Bitcoin is that the ASIC computers uh, basically have a, uh, a faster processing power, so they're expensive computers. Um, so people are are trying to buy those to use those computers because they're more than likely will hit a transaction than somebody using their Mac or their PC or their um, you know Raspberry Pi, because any any type of computing processing power can serve as a miner. Um, but, you know, when you have people who realize that faster computers uh, attain transactions a lot faster, and then, you know, people of means set up uh, basically, you know, factories with hundreds and hundreds of these computers, these ASIC computers, they have an unfair advantage to create a block on ownership of uh, attaining the the Bitcoin that um, was slowly leaked out by way the, the, the way the network, the way it was set up. Um, so a part of the controversy is um, that uh, Bitcoin has become centralized because those of more financial means who were able to buy hundreds of these ASIC computers, whether they were in China or um, a part of the, uh, even the American traditional finance sector uh, who entered into the fray um they basically have a monopoly on the ownership of the, the the bitcoin is out there so the the objective of 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 bitcoin was to really create a currency that was decentralized um that uh, a conglomerate could not necessarily um control uh, and there have a more a more equitable um you know fin- financial situation but what has happened is because of the the uneven playing field of the computers that involved, you actually have, you know, a smaller group um, centralizing or having the potential to centralize um, and, and then control the market on, you know, the coin. Um, but there, like I said, there are other cryptocurrencies other than um, Bitcoin and Bitcoin is also trying to address it. Also, they're trying to introduce um, something called the lightning network, which would essentially it's almost it's pretty much a copy of what was previously done by dash um dash is a cryptocurrency that has more than one way for you to enter a computer as a um money earning component they have a set of computers known as masternodes that work in conjunction with miners Um, And so Bitcoin is kind of taking the cue from that. They're not exactly copying Dash, but it's something similar in which you have these pre-funded machines that actually um, will expedite and potentially privatize um, transactions between wallets. Um, So you have that, that factor there, 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 when you are a miner, you have, you have voting power. So, um, a part of the the adding your computers to the system is the voting power on decisions on those who are making changes to the code. Um, this kind of majority rules to change certain things. So you know, blockchain, um, Bitcoin, even though it doesn't have a CEO, it doesn't have a marketing rep, it doesn't have it does have development groups. And um, when these votes happen, uh, it, it marks changes in how it functions. So it's a living, breathing. Dynamic um, cryptocurrency that does not have to be the same as and has not been the same as it was exactly how it was um, produced in the original white paper. So you have the potential of, of change happening um, in which it will be better for uh, people actually using Bitcoin um, in the future.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Go ahead, Jason. You got the best questions. I love
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Well, my next question is, um, are you aware of any, like, speaking of, like, the ASIC miners and the, um, I guess, the prevalence of of all those machines, are you aware of some of the ASIC-resistant mining coins out there?
1: Um. Yeah, some of them. I'm pretty sure that um, – I, I have to review the, the information, but I'm pretty sure that Dash was did not allow for ASIC uh, mining. They're, I'm not sure about Litecoin. I can't remember the, the spe- specifics, but the reason why you have the other true coins that forked away from Bitcoin and started modif- modifying is you had disagreements on um, – the direction that Bitcoin was going. So a lot of the original uh, core developers of Bitcoin are also involved in the competition of Bitcoin, be it Litecoin or be it the ultra private, often hacked Monero, um, which you know is exclusively a privacy coin, or Dash, which is a hybrid coin that you can have privacy sent, private sends as well as um, somewhat uh, pseudo-anonymous things like Bitcoin, which can be partially tracked. Um, so you have all these things in which people who have come out with alternative coins because they realize some um, some unforeseeable things that have occurred with Bitcoin. And part of it is that that, that ASIC dominance of, of unfair uh, advantage of people who have those computers that are mining versus the ones who don't have those computers that are mining. So I always forget kind of like the, the specifics of Elf, every nuance of every single different coin. A lot of times what I'm looking at is, you know, how uh, how fast it is um, if people are looking to roll it out in terms of merchant services or access by way of ATMs, because I neglected to mention that, um, you can look for a, a, a Bitcoin ATM locator by just searching Google, you know, with a Bitcoin ATM near me, and it will roll out to uh ATM coin radar website to show you where you can not only buy Bitcoin, but you can buy Litecoin directly a lot of times. Sometimes you can buy Dash directly, um, depends on what the machines are offering. Um, so the ATMs are also a way in which you can buy the cryptocurrency. And then with those, you also have to, um, that's, you might have, they may ask you to scan your license because there's still KYC laws that um, impact that as well, but it is another way of getting, you get a wallet independently on your own. Um, and then with, with any wallet that you have, you get a QR code that you can add funds and send funds using the QR code. So when you go to the local ATM um you know, they'll ask you to hold up the, the, the QR code and scan it, and that's how it gets in your wallet. But you're just putting cash into a machine, just like you would any other bank ATM. So, that's just another way to also, in in lieu of using exchanges. Uh, in fact, that's the way that I did it That The <laughs> first time I did it, I did it that way.
4: So, oh, yes, I, um, I've actually, I actually have used a, a Bitcoin ATM. It was a very interesting way of, uh, you know, getting some of the cash, some of the fiat cash out of the Bitcoin that I needed at the time. Exactly. Um, quick qu- Another quick question I have is, you know, how can like the layman, like the person who doesn't have much experience with Bitcoin or blockchain, get get uh, involved with bl- blockchain technology and just get immersed in the uh, ecosystem?
1: I think a key way is just to do a lot of reading. One of the reasons we launched Black People in Cryptocurrency is because uh, we were able to – I was actually writing a research paper uh, in 2016 for someone who was being uh, proposed uh, a Bitcoin business opportunity to, and he worked in the traditional finance sector, and he was like, I don't even know – I don't know what he was talking about. I don't know what's going on. So, can you write something in plain English? And so I, I did that, and that was actually my formal introduction to um, Bitcoin and block I had to do the research, find to figure out myself, and then, you know, figure out a way to actually put it in a simple uh, way for him to understand it. And after I wrote that, you know, a year later, that same document became the basis of me writing a, a, a user guide, so to speak. Uh, in plain English to accessing um, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So in our group, in our file section, we actually have a a guidebook. Um, But there are other people that have guidebooks. You know, I don't recommend people um, at this juncture because we're still in the early stage buying and paying for certifications, uh, especially if they're new. If you're new, you just need to search and YouTube videos. What is blockchain? Find a TED Talk on blockchain. TED Talks are always very down down to earth uh, in terms of their explanation. And get a grasp of what it is um, and how you, you can become involved and then make a decision if that's a direction that you want to go into. But at this point, a lot of the, um, you know, even if people want to be developers, a lot of this stuff, because there's such a shortage, is free. Um, it's definitely back to the early days of the dot-com I know when I started a dot-com era, I really didn't pay for anything. Uh, Everything that I needed, every tutorial I needed to know to move to the next level was freely available through um, either networking groups or um, online resources, you know. Um, So uh, I think that's really the step to just start reading. Uh, watching, I mean, you have the advantage of a lot of YouTube videos, with a lot of YouTube explanations, uh, and then get a, an idea of how you fit. I mean, I'm a media person, so I'm not necessarily a person that's going to be um, a developer in the blockchain space. But you know, I understand my role is to try to try to break things down in the simplest form so the layperson can understand what's going on. But if you're coming at it from um, an attorney, Angle, you um, may have a different take. You know, you may be looking into, um, you know, h- how different businesses can integrate, how they can be compliant with the SEC, or, or, you know, in the case of a lot of uh, the top American companies now, a lot of them are considering leaving the country uh, because they're not agreeing with, you know, the regulations that may or may not be pending. There's too much confusion in terms of how cryptocurrencies are viewed. Um, so they're going to need attorneys to figure out, okay, how how do I set up in another country? Um, so your, your vantage point of how you participate really depends on your, your background. You know, are you an accountant? Are you an attorney? Are you uh, a marketer? I mean, you know, what are you and how how do you see yourself in the space? Because I think it needs all angles of people at this point.
0: Yeah. And as a lay person, I want to thank you (laughs) for offering of this explanation because it, it can be totally overwhelming for anyone who's not thoroughly um, entrenched in, in this technology. Um, there's so many facets, so many nuances that even your your questions, Jason, have exposed you know some of the nuances in uh, the technology and what's going on and um, just the climate altogether. So thanks so much for explaining that, uh, Deidre. I think one of the things I didn't answer
1: was um, how do cryptocurrencies get their value? Because another misconception is that um, people who are new you know, really feel that, oh, well, it doesn't have any value. It 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 needs to be backed by gold or it needs to be backed by another a government-issued fiat. Um, you know, the, the value is the blockchain itself. Um, tr- our traditional banking system, no matter how much they boohoo uh, what has transpired and what is transpiring, they are also moving their back ends to use blockchain. So the same thing that they are boohooing, they are integrating. And they will present back to you underneath, under, under their brand and, and have you pay the exact same fees you've always paid with banking, but they'll be using the technology. So the value is like, just like with anything. Um, you know, why, do, why does a certain pair of sneakers that are issued uh, cost what it does? Why do different sneakers cost different amounts of money? It depends on the demand. So, what makes uh, Bitcoin valuable in terms of the African countries, in terms of the Caribbean, and then even in terms of of especially Southeast Asia, but Asia in general, is we've, uh, you know, outside of Western Europe, and this includes Eastern Europe too, out of the loop, outside of Western Europe, we've all been colonized by the central banking system. You have a situation in the Caribbean that if a business owner is trying in Trinidad and Tobago is trying to do business with someone in Jamaica, they cannot do that unless they go to a bank that's owned either by the United States, Canada, or Western Europe. And because of that kind of yoke that's been placed on um, nation-to-nation businesses in areas of people of color, whether it's Africa, the Caribbean, or Asia, um, they're turning now to cryptocurrencies. To, because these cryptocurrencies can be liquidated back to either U.S. or Euro fiat. So if I'm having an issue with a bank that claims that I'm a money launderer, and they do do that without any due process, and they've been doing that, and they've been freezing accounts of people who have legitimate businesses, and then, oops, a couple of months later, oh, you can go back to doing business. We didn't find any wrongdoing, but you just, you just crippled them for three, four months. Um, So now those different people in different nations are turning towards blockchain cryptocurrencies to transact and to be able to do nation-to-nation businesses. Um, And I found out that uh, through one of my interviews with a Nigerian uh, named Tim Akimbo, who was the first node um, Bitcoin node operator in West and actually all of Africa, but he certainly was the first in West Africa. Uh, And since he was an early adopter, one of the problems he was having was that he and his friends used to rent a, a, they were in Nigeria. They lived in Nigeria, but they would rent a summer home in Ghana. But the homeowner, the Ghanaian homeowner was in the UK. So every year there was a drama in terms of whether the bank fees would change, whether it was actually sent, whether it was lost, you know, and that's, par for a course in terms of African nations and dealing with central banking systems or even Western Union and other money transfer services. So one year he just said to him, look, I, I, can I send you the payment in PayPal? The homeowner didn't know what that was. And he said, well, you know, it's not a problem. I'll have a fellow Nigerian with you. Saying, well, I'll send him, he wants the Bitcoin. I'll send him the Bitcoin and he'll hand over the, the uh, actual funds in fiat. And he said the transaction took place in five minutes. So you have now a situation in which remittance issues are being solved for various African and Caribbean nations by turning to uh, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies. Um, and you also have the drive and the change uh, and the adoption in, in terms of getting people to become developers going at a faster rate than even in the United States. because. For anything, uh, black people in this country, we have a tendency to be comfortable. We're okay with, you know, we're only sending money from, uh, you know, New York to California, uh, the Continental. A lot of us, unless we have family in the Caribbean, are not sending money overseas, so we're not hampered by all these kind of injustices that have occurred for hundreds of years. Um, and we're, we're okay with something taking, you know, a bill to clear in three days or, or, or a transaction to clear in 24 hours. Whereas elsewhere globally in the world, whether it's Africa, the Caribbean, or Asia, or even Eastern Europe, they're like, wow, I can circumvent this and have it done in minutes. So they're flocking to it like wildfire. So we need to be aware of the value of Bitcoin and uh, all the blockchain cryptocurrencies and and kind of resolving this this ongoing, basically, uh, economic colonialization that has been transpiring. So you know the traditional banking center will uh, will defend itself um and the right way for them to defend themselves is really to adopt um blockchain measures um not just privatized of their own but actually adopt some of these cryptocurrencies as agreed upon uh platform for them to use and just have them put in some master node mining computers of their own so they can take advantage of of the uh that could possibly be earned because they do have the money to to kind of buy a whole bunch of them and then just kind of move with the times because the cheese has already moved. So since the cheese has already moved, um, they, you know, really need to get up to to speed in order to um, survive. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to regulate the world uh, in terms of what they've already discovered that they can do.
0: So I have, I do have a question about, you know, you said the cheese has been moved. And so in, a, a while ago, you mentioned about uh, possibly governments could um, centralize some of the blockchain, and that you know they're of course putting in measures to decentralize it but what what are the, um what are the risks of that actually occurring to say further uh, hamper uh african nations and and black countries that uh, depend on um, you know transferring currency uh, freely so you know what are the what are the risks of these governments you know tightening this uh, and, and centralizing I,
1: I, I it's a possibility that you know as much as possible they'll try to force or um uh, Centralize certain cryptocurrencies, but I think the everyday business person will just switch coins. I don't, I, I don't. There's nothing. They all work. I mean, not all of them work, but all the, the the prominent ones work. So, I mean, you already have a case scenario, really, honestly, with that most of the early uh, developers in crypto they don't even use Bitcoin. So, um there's no reason why anyone would have to stay specifically with Bitcoin, but because you can use others that there are a few others that liquidate Litecoin liquidates directly to fiat. Um, uh, I believe uh, Ether does as well. Um, So between those three uh, and in some cases, Dash may also, you just switch cryptocurrencies
0: so I, I, so I don't in, understand how they could centralize them all. Okay, yeah, you know, as as a layperson, I'm I'm. It's kind of hard to wrap my head around uh, the fact that there are different types of coin in this in this whole scheme of things. So, would it kind of relate to, or would it be compared to, let's say, uh, Canadian coin and American coin, um, or is it just totally Opposite, you know how they have different denominations. That's a good analogy. It's just like
1: having a a currency of a different country because one dash is not the same value as one bitcoin. One bitcoin has, you know, far greater uh, U.S. to uh, bitcoin um, value. However, you'll just get the value of dash that equates to what you bought with Bitcoin. Uh, So it's like going from one country to to another country. If I'm, you know, in the United States and I have, you know, a dollar, it's a dollar, but if I go to Trinidad, I have six of their dollars. Uh, So it's going to switch depending on the the other cryptocurrency are, are not of the same value as Bitcoin, but you just get more of them. Uh, and and it's, the value is still equates to the, to the fluctuations as it relates to the U.S. dollar. So it's like dealing with other countries. And the values are always pretty much the same. They're based on uh, how many people are using the system. So if you know a certain country is forbidden from using for Bitcoin and all of a sudden they switch to Monero, Monero's go, value is going to go up. And if they have to switch again to something else, then that's going to go up. But they're going to – there's nothing to stop them really from switching um, from one cryptocurrency to another to another. Um, and that's why you have companies like IBM that are actually building systems for the logistics industry, and they support multiple cryptocurrencies because not everyone's going to want to send with Bitcoin. But if they want to, they can. If they don't, they want to use another one, they can use another one. I mean, a lot of times they're building these type of uh, – of, uh, Kind of communities for businesses to transact with their usual vendors or their international vendors, and they have more than one cryptocurrency from which to choose from they don't have one. they can have five or six, and there may be reasons for that. you know maybe there's a specific government that says they can't use Bitcoin, oh but they're just still going to use business because they'll just send it with ethereum or something
0: so what um us what in the few minutes that we have now what is it that um, blacks can do to participate in in the in this blockchain you know what is it what simple methods can we do step by step so that we can at least dip our toe in this pool because you know it is a little bit overwhelming but we do we can't deny that this is happening, this is here, and it's here to stay, and the rest of the world has jumped on board. So as black people, what can we do to uh, begin to participate?
1: First thing that's paramount is to take the education in your own hands. Um, Don't sit there waiting for the degree to appear. That will be too late, the certification to appear. That will be too great. Uh, You have to realize that Google works for you. Start searching basic questions and start teaching yourself and start talking with your friends and going out for coffee. We're going to have an hour in which we talk about this stuff and see if we can find answers as a group, collaborative. I used to be a teacher, so, you know, collaborative group works. Actually works a lot faster than you can imagine. So uh, the education is key, and you have to do that upon yourself. Another thing is to be aware of the black companies in this space. We are not invisible. Um, Right now there is a divide that is the same divide that I saw in the early days of the dot-com. We had technologists in the early days of the dot-com that were key and instrumental in everything we do now. You had uh, Emmett McHenry, who was responsible for us to have dot-com names instead of IP addresses. When it was time for him to sell network solutions, he had to sell it to white people. There were no black wealthy people in the space, knowledgeable enough to buy network solutions from him and to leverage it to the next um, level. Um, the first search engine was created by Alan Emtage. He's half white and half Bayesian uh, and lives in Canada. All the other search engines that we use now are based on what he created, and yet he's living in Canada. I'm sure he's living his best life, but he's a photographer. Somebody should have nabbed him up and he should have been a CEO and he should have been a household name. You had John Henry Thompson, not to confuse the semantics, John Thompson, who was head of the, the security, but John Henry Thompson, who worked for Macromedia, created the lingo language that makes computerized video possible. There's no way, I don't understand to this day why he was not uh, a founder of a competitor or something like YouTube, because YouTube does not happen without him. We have the same thing, again, repeating in the black uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency spaces. There are black entrepreneurs, tech heads, that have viable, uh, 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 demonstrable blockchain solutions, and they are not getting funded by the wealthy white community, and the black wealthy community is not even looking. I mean, they'll come up with their own imagination, and they will go to Finland and have a, a European team develop their product. That cannot continue to happen. There has to be a bridge in which the wealth within the black community is looking towards black developers first. Black developers, uh, one of the things that came out of the Black uh, blockchain summit in D.C. in September where the Africans were saying that they've had three, I think about three major blockchain summits um, throughout Africa. I know uh, there was a previous one in Uganda. I'm not sure. I think there was one in Nigeria and another one in Kenya. And all those three things in which they had uh, investors come and listen to different business proposals, at each of those three conferences, white people won the, with a B, billions of dollars to create solutions for Africa, even though the vast majority of the attendees and the vast majority of pitchers were indigenous Africans. And by indigenous Africans, I only always mean black people. That's it. So you Mm -hmm. have a situation that on the African continent, Africans, the intellectual Africans are being ignored and considered incapable by the white elite who are coming in to quote unquote invest in Africa. It's really scramble of Africa part two to that they're not getting funded. And as long as we have entertainers like Akon and Proz, and we do see them coming out, but you're coming out. And your brand is being connected with all white firms. That does not help. It does not help when you have people like uh, Eduardo Jackson has a demonstrated with cinnamon draft, or you have Sarita Hines who has just uh, and kudos to Sarita. She has just partnered with a tech fund to bring her venture Trust a Bit, which is an airline solution customer service blockchain, to the next level. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's a white partner, so, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to get your thing out there. Yeah. You can't, we can't, we cannot, as black developers in, in the space, we can't sit around and wait uh, until our stuff, like, crumbles and falls apart. We have to find the partners we can find them. It's hard for us to find white partners um, as it is because they're not looking to mm-hmm. us first, but it's also hard and very painful to the fact that, you know, the black people of means... Uh, don't even have us on the radar, or if they do come up with something, they're coming up with something independent of the black geekdom, and the black geekdom All is right. international. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot continue to do that. <laughs> and expect that thank we need you to so much. You're welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Deidre. Yes, our time is up. I want to thank you so much for being a wonderful guest here on Beyond Talk. With Faith McKinney and Jason Moore, uh, Deidre, you're a wealth of information. How can people get in touch with you? Uh,
1: you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm on LinkedIn at Deidre Ramsey McIntyre. I don't generally change my name. You can inbox me on Quora. I'm still Deidre McIntyre, I think, on Quora, and I'm Deidre Ramsey McIntyre on Facebook. Uh, those are the easiest ways. You know, I don't always check my other boxes, but when I do, I do I do switch over. Um, you know, I don't change my name, so it's kind of easy to find me. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Jason Moore, on behalf of the On Talk podcast is produced by Jacqueline Taylor Adams on Master Grio, NVBTA Radio, and Syndicated On Demand on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Blog Talk Radio, and more. I'm Faith Moore McKinney, along with Jason Moore. We will see you on the second Wednesday at 8 p.m. right here Be sure to call in. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.
3: in the
2: plus.